Well, let's turn again to uh, Acts, the ninth chapter, as uh, we've been talking really since Easter about what happens when Jesus shows up. How many of you know it's important for Jesus to show up? I mean, why do we even have church unless Jesus shows up? What's different? What's special about our coming together other than the presence of God? As Jesus promised that if we would gather in his name, he would be there in our midst. And so we're grateful that Jesus shows up. We're looking at the Apostle Paul now. As Paul was on the road to Damascus with a specific mission to persecute Christians. And uh, Jesus showed up as a bright light blinding him beyond the, the sunshine of a cloudless day. And Paul, overwhelmed, <clears throat> fell off of his mount. And there he realized that uh, something was changing. His whole life, his whole perspective, as Jesus showed up and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul thought that he was right. Paul thought that he was doing God's work by persecuting Christians. And it turns out that he was completely wrong. How many of you have ever thought you were right and turned out that you were wrong? How many of you know that you can be totally sincere in what you're doing and still be wrong? I wonder how many sincere people ultimately are going to miss heaven. Did you ever think about that? You know, there's kind of a, an unspoken idea in our culture today that if you're really sincere in what you believe, then you're okay with God. God never said that. God never promised that sincerity was the ticket to heaven. He promised that Jesus Christ was the only way of salvation, the only way, the truth and the life. And so we need him. We need him to show up. <laughs> we need to believe that what God's word says is true. And that tug of the Holy Spirit in our hearts really is him. What a wonderful story we have here of Paul. And we left him there on the road to Damascus, blinded by this bright light. And we began to see that there's a wonderful pattern here of his conversion and his call and his commissioning to serve the Lord. How many of you know that God is always involved in a process in our lives? It's a journey of faith. Everything that's happening leads to what's next and we realize that God isn't in the vision in in the in the business of just zapping us one time but it's a whole process of a love relationship where he's helping us leading us into the fullness of his promise you know you look at what happened to Paul when Jesus showed up every believer has a story of what happened when Jesus showed up most of you know my story of how Jesus showed up in my life and I realized as a teenager that I needed God when I saw some problems in my family and in my own life where I saw that uh, materialism and family problems and sickness and all the things that seemed to be stealing a good life from me were disappearing. And I realized that uh, there was a promise that Jesus made, which became my life verse. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And later on in life, as I was 
in college and was preparing for a career and really wanted to go into into law and to to business and to politics and was very ambitious as a young student, I began to realize that uh, though my personal values for my own salvation had changed, that I really wasn't committed to God's kingdom until I realized that, you know what? Regardless of how successful I might become in this world, all of the success that I might achieve in this world wasn't as valuable as one soul. That's how God called me to the ministry. I saw this, the potential for all the worldly success that I might have and one soul. And I realized that for me, that was the choice, that one soul was worth more than all of the success that I might have. And that's how God convinced me to let go of my worldly ambitions and accept a call to serve him. And God's been very gracious, and uh, Ginger and I have had a, just a wonderful life in serving the Lord. <clears throat> I, I won't tell you how many years, but you can probably guess. Not as many as Phil and Sharon, of course, but we're catching up, and we are grateful for the call in our life. We're grateful for God's compassion in loving us, shepherding us into this relationship where we could serve Him. And so it is, is with each of us. And uh, recently I was studying about some other uh, remarkable conversions and how different they were. I was reading about Martin Luther and how he was a young man, uh, a law student, very brilliant, very successful in the university. And uh, he was visiting his parents and going back to school. And he had thought about giving himself to service to God, but really not that seriously until there he was on that country road and lightning struck a tree. And he was knocked down. And as he was terrified for his life, he prayed this prayer, Oh God, if you let me live, I'll become a monk. And he did. (laughs) He made that decision through that experience where Jesus showed up through a bolt of lightning. Now, how many of you wish that you had a bolt of lightning? You know, we think maybe that's what it would take. Well, guess what? God knows what it takes for each one of us. Uh, uh, Charles uh, Spurgeon uh, was looking at some of the comments about the Apostle Paul and what may have happened to him on the road. You know, there's all these naturalistic explanations that perhaps uh, he had a stroke or or perhaps uh, he had uh, a seizure or something medically went wrong with him. And, you know, Charles Spurgeon said, well, if he had a seizure, I wish that all men could have a seizure. You know, whatever it takes, that experience of encountering God, I was reading about C.S. Lewis, who uh, had a remarkable journey of faith as by the time he was 15 years of age, he decided he really didn't want to believe in God and began to drift from the church and commit himself to, to atheism. And he became an intellectual. But he said, you know, the whole time that he was an intellectual and an atheist, he realized that he was angry with God for not existing. Now, figure that out. That's the dilemma of atheism, isn't it? Angry at God for not existing. Well, as he 
wanted to become a learned man and a scholar, and he was asked questions about the Bible and religion. He realized how ignorant he was, and so he started to study the Bible and read some theology, and this became a problem for him because the more he learned, the more he realized how uninformed he was and how reason, through the reason of the Scriptures and through the reason of those that had explained why they came to faith, he thought, you know what? The only reasonable conclusion is that there really is a God. And I guess I ought to believe in him. And so he began to believe and then later began to believe that if Jesus Christ came as described in Scripture, then we really should trust in him. And then he began to believe that he needed to take responsibility for his faith and begin to get involved with the church. And over a period of time, God just loved him, shepherded into the faith. There was nothing dramatic about his conversion. But how many of you believe that C.S. Lewis really was converted, really was a Christian, the impact he had on the world? And these illustrations are important because we realize that there are no two testimonies that are the same. And we need to encourage our young people to realize that every journey of faith is important. Every journey of faith ends up in the same place, and that is in salvation. And so we need to encourage one another, not try to imitate each other or compare our testimonies to one another, realizing that this is really, this is really God's plan, God's way. Well, <clears throat> Let's uh, look at the scripture this morning. And uh, as we left Paul there on the road to Damascus, blinded by this light, Jesus appears in verse 5 as he says, Who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And he replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless they heard the sound, but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And there, a disciple of the Lord named Ananias was told by the Lord to go out and find him and help him. And he led him to his own house and he took care of him. And as uh, Paul recovered his sight in a few days, he immediately began to preach out of the passion in his heart of the experience that he had. You know, I've thought about that. You know, in just one week, how Paul was transformed. And I wonder if there was anyone in his audience that day when he began to pre preach in the synagogue that knew the Paul of just one week before and the transformation that had taken place in his life. How many of you believe that conversion is real? Transformation is real. We become new. All things are changed, become new. The old things are passed away, and so it is with Christ. Now, I want us to go back to our outline, and I want us to look at these basic things in terms of focusing on what happened when Paul showed up, or, or Jesus showed up in Paul's life, and what happens in our lives. And uh, I gave you these uh, five words, and I want us to walk through them as we realize that this is really a pattern 
for how God deals with us. And the first is the confrontation of light and darkness that always happens when a person is converted. There's this conflict of kingdoms. The things that I used to believe, I no longer believe. The things I could not believe, I now believe. I see differently. And it's a great confrontation. Second, we see the conversion or the choice that Paul made to believe in Jesus as his Savior. How many of you know that you can have a great encounter with God and still not choose to believe? It requires that choice, that choice of faith. I don't know about you, but God has been pretty merciful and gracious to me. How about you? And I know that each step of the way, as God has revealed himself, I've had to make choices. And conversion is about a choice to decide to follow. Jesus interrupts our plans, our path, our pattern, and he says, okay, now you must choose to follow me. Will you follow? Every day we must make that choice. And it has to do with the basic sense of, I've got to make these adjustments. I'll never forget one time when I was really struggling with all kinds of confusion in my life. And there I was calling out to God, saying, God, what's wrong? You know, why, why aren't the plans working out? What's happening to my life? And God just spoke to my heart. And he said, the problem is, now hear this. You can, I'm sure you can identify with it. The problem is that you and I are incompatible. And then he said, and I'm not going to change. Where's the adjustment? Where's the choice? We need to make the choice. Stop trying to get God to adjust to your plans and to fix your life the way you'd like it to be and begin to adjust to what he wants for you. Let me tell you, the key to happiness is not getting God to do what you want him to do, but becoming happy and grateful for God's will and purpose in your life. That's how we get happy. <laughs> That's how we're fulfilled. We adjust. Well, the confrontation, the confer conversion. Third thing is the calling. As Paul heard Jesus' voice that day. Have you heard Jesus' voice in your life? I believe you have. You know, every time you read Scripture and acknowledge the author of Scripture, you're hearing God speak to you. And to respond to that voice when you, in prayer, there are many times you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit and you know that God is saying, this is the way that you should go, not this way, this way. There are many times when you ask God for guidance and you realize, well, I could go that way, but I really feel that God is leading. That's, that's his voice. And every way God has of communicating with us is about his voice in our lives. Can I ask you something personal? Have you heard God's voice today? Since you woke up this morning? Maybe since you've been to church? How encouraged? We can and must hear God's voice every day as we're sensitive to his leading. I've noticed uh, early in the morning, if I'll just stop a moment and begin to pay attention, I hear God's voice. How about you? Every time I pray, every time I read God's word, every time I sincerely want i want god to reveal himself somehow i know that he speaks he moves he leads 
And so we need to realize that he's calling us. And listen, please don't be confused by how he's calling other people. You know, there are so many Christians that they see someone that has some kind of an exciting event that leads to a calling or what, maybe to missions or to be an evangelist or do something spectacular and say, oh, I wish I had a call like that. No, no, you don't want anyone else's call. You want the call that God has for you to be faithful and obedient to live your life because God is dealing with you in a unique fashion. So we say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, that's our calling. The fourth thing I want us to see with the Apostle Paul is his consecration. And we see what was happening with how he had to submit to Ananias. He really became dependent upon him as he was sightless. And there in the darkness of his physical blindness, and as he came to realize that his life was meaningless as he had rebelled against God and was really fighting against Jesus Christ. He had to have a new start. You know, the word consecration is an important word in Scripture, and it simply means to be made holy. It's similar to the word sanctification, which is set apart for a holy purpose. But suddenly, it wasn't just about Paul's abilities that needed to be invested in serving God. But hear this, God wanted Paul to know that his whole life, his very existence was now sacred and set apart for God's purpose. Consecration. How many of you know that every Christian needs to come to the place of consecration where we're saying, my life is no longer my own. I need to offer it to God. You've read that scripture about being a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable unto God. Where is that? Romans 12. Is that? Have you read that recently? Every day. That's consecration where we are offering ourselves to God that we might realize that our lives are sacred. They're no longer for us to use as we choose, but we belong to God. And then finally, the commission. And how exciting it gets as Paul not only realizes that he has met Christ and that he has been converted to be a follower of Christ, but he's got something to say to the unbeliever. And he goes to the synagogue and he preaches to the Jews and says that they were overwhelmed with his logic, convincing them that Jesus was the Son of God. Wow. He had something to say. He had something to share. And the Holy Spirit commissioned him to preach this message to the Jews and to the Gentiles and to explain, explain, Jesus coming, and how it was the fulfillment of Scripture. Can I ask you this morning, do you have something to say? Do you have something to say about Jesus' reality in your life, God's love for you, the new life that he's given you? Do you realize that God wants you to touch the lives that are within your realm of influence with your testimony, with your story of what it means to be changed? that you are commissioned. God wants you to be a missionary (laughs) to your family, to your friends, to your neighborhood. And that's just as real as the calling that 
God gave to the Apostle Paul or C.S. Lewis or Martin Luther or any disciple in any generation, you're important to God's plan. How many of you know that there are certain people on this planet that can be best reached by you? And you need to be ready, ready, ready to be sent by God as he commissions you. Well, let me summarize and then... We have a treat this morning as uh, my daughter, who's visiting uh, from Detroit, on her way to a, to a mission in uh, Peru, uh, has a song for us. And so she's going to sing, and uh, Russ is going to accompany her. So as they, as they get ready, let me just say, say this to you. <clears throat> what happens when Jesus shows up? What happens when Jesus... Well, let me tell you, more than you could possibly handle. Don't try to fit him into your plans. Make the adjustment because guess what? He's God (laughs) and he has a right to change your life as he sees fit. I'm concerned about Christians that are always negotiating with God to improve their position. Guess what? There's no position except, yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord, I receive (laughs) your provision for my salvation, and for my life. Lord, help us this morning to receive this word. Help us to respond, O God. Help us to know, O God, that just as surely as you've called any disciple in any generation, you've called each of us to be your disciples and your servants. Amen. Let's uh, listen to this song and then respond as God leads. Um, before sharing this song, just this message that was shared this morning really speaks to my heart and just wanted to share with you guys before, um, sharing this song, um, as a song that my husband and I wrote, but a couple years ago, three years ago, um, I was standing in a worship service and just great presence of the Lord, just really enjoying worshiping him. And the Lord dropped something in my heart and this thing that he dropped in my heart has um, really changed the last three years of my life dramatically. And I feel like the Lord in that, just, just that moment of being in his presence, spoke to my heart, I'm calling you to more. And when I heard that, I didn't know what that meant. I thought, Lord, what does that mean? Does that mean you're calling me to more, you know, greater level of discipline? Does that mean you're calling me to more, uh, being more available with my time and giving it to you? Does it mean you're calling me to evangelize more? What does that mean? And in the last three years, I'm learning that it means yes to all of that. <laughs> yes to all of that. There's always more of the Lord. There's always a greater level of brokenness. There's always a, a greater level of commitment to him. There's always a um, new, new steps to take in our journey with the Lord. And so um, I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who is all in. <laughs> I want to give the Lord my whole life. I don't want to reserve sections of my life for me. And then just give him the pieces I'm comfortable with. But I want to give him more every day. (laughs) And I'm learning this. And it's a journey in our faith, isn't it? Just um, being more available and more surrendered. And so um, this song just comes out of that heart in this journey with the Lord of wanting to be all in, wanting to be fully surrendered. And it's something that I feel like every day I have to choose because my flesh wants to fight back and and I want to feel comfortable. But living for, the, living for the Lord is not a comfortable life. <laughs> living for the Lord is not about us, but it's about him. It's about his kingdom. And so I just pray that this song ministers to you this morning.
There's no turning back. Once I felt your love for me, no turning aside. From beholding infinite glory, I'm going all in. Cause the cross demands this one thing, all that I am is the price I choose to give. I'm all in, committed to your name. I'm all here in this moment of surrender. I'm all in, committed to your kingdom. You're worth it all. To you I freely give. You call me by name, cause you see what is greater beyond what I know. The truth remains that you have plans far above. My faith so give me faith to step into seas. Though they may roar and rise, I'm all in. Committed to your name, I'm all here, God. In this moment of surrender, I'm all in. Committed to your kingdom, you're worth it all. To you I freely give, oh Jesus, we give our lives to you, Jesus, and not a cause but Christ is what I live, and I, his name alone is worth so we come boldly to your throne with open hearts and not a cause but Christ is what I live and I his name alone is worth it all so we come boldly to your throne with open hearts. Oh, Jesus, we come to you, Jesus, to give it all to you, Jesus. Give me faith to not look back. But press on to your glory, I am yet to see. Give me faith to not look back, but press on to your glory, I am yet to see, Jesus. Give me faith to not look back, but press on to your glory, I am yet to see. Cause I'm all in, committed to your name. I'm all here, in this moment of surrender. I'm all in, 
committed to your kingdom, your worth it all. To you I freely give, Jesus. I give it all to you, Jesus. You're worth it all, Jesus. Amen.